Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the BizCast. I'm Shannon King. To start, I want to wish all of our listeners and their families a very, very happy and safe Thanksgiving. Personally, I've chosen to not spend Thanksgiving with my family uh, out of an abundance of caution, but because of that, I don't have to go anywhere and I get to practice all my cooking skills while enjoying football all day. Now, on to the episode. A few weeks ago, I talked to Susan White, CEO of Atlas Stamping and Manufacturing, located in Newington. I asked Susan about her experience in manufacturing and distribution, why women in manufacturing are a, quote, force, and what Connecticut can do with the private sector to rebuild from the downturn of the pandemic. If you like this conversation, please rate, review, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And here is my conversation with Susan. Can you talk about your journey to Atlas Stamping? So I know you've been there for, um, well, or excuse me, you've been CEO for the past five months, but you've been at Atlas for the past four years um, as yeah. CFO and acting president. So, um, and I was looking at your background and it looks like you've had um, quite a lot of experience in executive roles in manufacturing and distribution. So do you want to just talk about your background and how you got to Atlas? Sure. I was, um, I worked for about 20 years as a consultant in all kinds of businesses. And so, um, mostly in Connecticut. So, um, I consulted in a variety of managerial roles. Most of them had to do with, um, some type of manufacturing or distribution issue or problem. So companies would call me in when they needed to, um, streamline processes and save money. So I frequently helped companies that were, um, you know, struggling uh, financially, or they were in the embryonic stages. And uh, so those companies needed um, to be able to manage their cash. They needed to be able to um, be um, nimble. And I helped companies to um, process uh, and have managerial controls to be able to do that. So frequently, and, you know, I was able to, you know, help companies to um, get through difficult times or, to raise money uh, that they needed to be able to grow and move forward. So um, that's what I did. And I I really enjoyed it for a long time. And then with Atlas, um, I came in as a part-time employee and the acting CFO. So they were one of those companies that was at a stage of growth that they knew they had to grow, but they just um, didn't feel that they had the internal expertise to be able to do that. So when I came to them, it was really um, to help them to grow and to manage their resources. And what ended up happening was I started on almost on the very first day getting involved in all aspects of the company. So I started to really get involved with the operation and with, um, with quality and with sales and marketing. And so it ended up that I sort of, it's the strangest thing, but I, I learned a lot very quickly about aerospace. I, and I had always been in somewhat in manufacturing, you know, as a consultant, but I learned a lot about aerospace and I, I really, um, I, it sounds very strange, but I fell in love with aerospace and with the way the aerospace, with the, with, with the way aerospace manufacturers conduct their business and uh, the structure and the continuous improvement and, the pride that we have in what we do, 
it's an incredible thing to be a part of. So really you started consulting businesses to help accelerate their growth or help advise them to get to that place that they wanted to go and also, you know, continuous improvement, all of those things. So you were sort of, um, I mean, what, what was, what did you specifically consult in like business growth or business development or usually, um, business development and finance. So I, I helped them to say, okay, look, this is what you have coming in and this is what you need to do to marshal your resources to be able to grow. So in the, in the case of Atlas, in specific, they had done the same volume of work for about 50 years, give or take a little bit. They had one or two spikes, but they had done almost the same volume of work for 53 years. They do um, perfect quality work, um, but yet they had had some um, delivery issues like we all have, but some, uh, some delivery issues. So uh, we needed to come in and really streamline most of the processes. So I did what at Atlas in the beginning, what I did for most of my clients, which was to help to streamline processes and help to marshal their resources from a financial standpoint. So I worked with vendors. I worked with um, banks and um, I worked a lot with DECD uh, to help companies get uh, financing and refinancing. So I feel like I have a lot of uh, connections there uh, because, you know, they have, they are truly and have been helpful to small businesses. DECD has been a, a tremendous resource for all of us. And most of the clients that I worked with, um, you know, took advantage of one or more of the programs that were offered. Yeah, that's so, um, yeah, that's really great to hear that DECD um, has been and continues to be just such a critical partner for smaller. They are, they are a critical, I mean, they are, they're for most, I would say most of my clients. And so it's funny coming to Atlas, they had already um, applied for um, the grant and the loan program through the, um, the small business uh, Small Business Express. They had already had that, but I think that, um, you know, we, we worked with them um, for uh, DECD and Department of Labor. We have, uh, when we got here, we have an MIF grant that we've utilized. We've worked with Capital Workforce and um, with uh, the Department of Labor with uh, the Apprenticeship Training Program. So we've taken advantage of a, a number of uh, state of Connecticut, um, state of Connecticut uh, uh loans and grants and um, assistance. It, it has been tremendously helpful. I mean, we're, we're a part now of RevUp. I think we were the first company to sign up for RevUp. And, um, you know, I don't think in our economy right now, we uh, have not done a layoff. We're hoping not to do a layoff. We don't see one in our future. Um, but we are hiring and we would not have been able to do that with COVID um, had we not had the state of Connecticut and some of those programs. So that's so. really, that's really interesting, but that, that's great to hear. So I, my next question, which kind of ties into what you just were talking about, how has Atlas been doing since the p- pandemic began? Um, right now it's eight months ago. Um, how has the business changed? Because you were brought in, um, as CEO, um, to build and grow the business. So how has that changed in the past eight months? Well, it's cha- I mean, we are, aerospace is off between 40 and 60% in commercial. And I would say uh, you're, they're holding their own in, in um, military. But our business has changed. So uh, many things have changed. First and foremost, our safety and controls. So we haven't had a case, which we feel very lucky about. But we take an enormous amount of time on a daily basis washing machines, 
wearing PPE, um, you know, staying away from one another. So we, we probably spend an extra hour a day of production time um, doing things that we wouldn't normally do. So we're, we've lost some production time. We've also, um, we, I would say, uh, commercially, because uh, aerospace has been hit so hard, we're probably down 40% commercially. Um, so what we've done to offset that is we have, um, and we have been working hard, we are uh, a really proud supplier of Pratt & Whitney. But as our commercial engine business has changed, we've worked hard to um, maintain relationships with other large OEMs, and we've maintained relationships with smaller sub-tiers. So in the aerospace uh, business, for example, we've always had one main client being Pratt & Whitney. We have had a 10-year plan or a two-year plan to have some diversity in that, uh, meaning that we would sell to you know other customers in aerospace and in other areas. We accelerated that plan on day one of COVID. So I would say March 1st, we marshaled our resources and brought the team in and created this uh, meeting that we uh, meet as a group and we made ourselves all responsible for sales. And so we have um, accelerated that two-year plan and we have um, acquired um, many new customers over the course of a very short period of time. We know that we're a small woman business. We know that we are very fast at what we do. We make our own tooling. So we have engineering in-house. And so we know that we're marketable. So we can market in other areas as well. And we have looked at um, some uh, wind and power and solar because uh, stampings are, you know, easily um, marketable and easily sold in those areas. So we do that. And we have, um, we have uh, picked up some customers in that realm and we have diversified into, um, we work with a, uh, a few doctors who have patents. So we have, um, are preparing uh, some medical devices and we also work in uh, the defense industry, which we've always done some work in the defense industry, but um, with electric boat and Newport news uh, gaining uh, huge contracts, we have uh, marketed ourselves as a small woman business in defense. Um, there aren't a ton of stampings on some of those boats, but there are on larger uh, aircraft carriers and certainly on the submarines. Um, there are some, so we've marketed ourselves um, in that area as well. You know, we took the governor's advice. We sat down, we listened to um, our leadership. We listened to the president and we listened to the governor and we didn't care about the political party, but our governor and the heads of our state agencies, we listened to those meetings and he said, um, work with your bank, you know, take the PPE, make sure you utilize um, all the money that you can. So, you know, any grant or loan program that has been available to us, we've taken. And we've also um, took his advice and worked very closely with our bank. We have a um, really strong relationship with a new bank, a Windsor Federal Savings. And we have um, made sure that we have uh, enough depth in uh, what it is that we can do that we are um, focused on making sure that uh, we lower uh, any interest payments that we have and that we lower any of our fixed costs. So we've done that as well. So, um, and that was really uh, in the works, but we, um, we uh, took it to heart when we began to see the writing on the wall with aerospace changing. Would you say now, um, just looking ahead, um, what's the outlook for Atlas with all of this um, refinancing and, um, you know, setting up to be 
um, to di be diversified enough in case, you know, who knows what's going to happen with aerospace, especially commercial. Um, so looking ahead, um, what, what kind of confidence do you have? I have tremendous confidence in Atlas. So we uh, will be the same in 2021. We'll be very, very close to, to, tw to 2020. We will be um, almost in line to grow in 2021 from what 2020, you know, 2020 will be down. I would say um, our sales will be down. So I believe that that will plateau and we will, we will have some growth in 2021. So where we see commercial aerospace um, changing and having, you know, 40% reduction on some schedules, we, because of our diversity, because we pivoted and because we have new customers, we will um, be the same or show slight growth in 2021. Well, that's really so, awesome to hear. Yeah. It's incredible. No, it's, it's really, it's a testament to the people who work here who are just uh, an incredible team. I have an incredible team of people, most of whom have been here for more than five years. And, you know, I inherited them, but they are um, tremendous at what they do. Um, I hate that word now, but they are very, very good at what they do. And also, um, we have a very strong relationship with our customers. And our customers have um, made sure that we are busy. So uh, we have a, a team at Pratt & Whitney. Uh, our buyer is named, our commodity buyer is named Julia Taverner. She's phenomenal to work with. And we have our uh, a commodity buyer. His name is um, Peter Collin. And, you know, again, um, works very closely with us, sits and goes through our schedule, tries to make sure that we maintain, you know, a level that we need to, to be able to ship to them. And um, we have a team of uh, people that work with us called uh, supplier development leaders. So we are still on our path for supplier gold here at Atlas with Pratt and Whitney. And our SDL um, has helped us to, you know, have continuous improvement. His name is Kyle Brevrick, but we had a woman uh, named Shana Schreier as well. And she, um, Kyle and Shana have taken um, our part costs and helped us to um, really to reduce uh uh, part costs by continuous improvement. So we have a continuous improvement full-time person. And at the beginning of uh, the pandemic, Pratt Whitney said to us, um, you know, you don't have to have that investment. We know that um, it's going to change, that uh, COVID is going to change our landscape. You know, that investment can be something that you put on hold. And um, we sort of doubled down on that and on sales. And the change, uh, the continuous improvement support from Pratt and the continuous improvement that we do here in-house. We have a full-time person. His name is Yash Sarda. And he, um, you know, we've been able to uh, maintain our pricing and um, improve our uh, improve our return on investment because we have uh, less in cost. So it's been, you know, it's been tremendous for us. Well, I wanted to go back because um, you said this was a woman-owned business. So, um, I think that's amazing. I think that's really awesome. Um, how many women work at Atlas and why is it, and why is it important to have, um, female leadership, particularly in manufacturing? So it's interesting. That's an interesting question. I, you know, the head of Lockheed Martin, if you ask me her name, I can't remember, but she's a woman. And so she's an inspirational woman. Um, why is it important? Our supplier development leader, probably one of the most dynamic people that has come into this uh, company, uh, Shana Schreier from Pratt & Whitney, brilliant and um, taught us so much. Um, so 
how, why is it important? It is important um, because we tend, women in general in this industry uh, tend to be uh, a dynamic force in the industry. So uh, many years ago, especially in Air Force manufacturing, it was all um, middle-aged white men. I mean, I don't know if you can quote me on that, but, um, and I think that now what has happened is, is that women tend to solve problems differently. And we tend to look at the world a little bit differently. Although we stay within the rubric and the framework of the structure that is required for aerospace. And we have tremendous, you know, very, very strong regulation. Um, we have, looked at some of the issues here very creatively. So we have a strong A3 process and you asked me how many women, I got to count many of the changes that we've made, many of the continuous improvement changes and um, the cost savings have come from the women on the floor because they look at the world a little bit differently. Women in manufacturing um, continue to take jobs in larger companies and even in our smaller companies because we add a level of, I think, support for one another, but also a level of problem solving that's very different. Yeah, I love that. And I would absolutely agree, even though I'm not in manufacturing, um, just creating those relationships um, in your within your company or outside of your company with women it has just been like so critical to me in my career. And I think you would probably uh, certainly oh, yeah. agree with that. Absolutely. And I... Um, and I have maintained many of my mentors and uh, relationships with, with other women um, manufacturing and in other areas. They've helped me so much. So as an executive in Connecticut, what is your favorite part about doing business in our state? I think it's working with the people in state government. I, mean, I have to be honest. They have been so responsive. I, I keep going back to the governor's phone calls, but I have had commissioners and deputy commissioners personally call me back. I needed to have documents for this recent closing so that I could do the refinancing and, um, Oh, people, you know, everyone, Oh, the state of Connecticut, they are not, the lawyers are, they're not going to respond. They responded. They helped. If there's a DOL program, um, that they think that we can use, we have had, um, capital workforce partners and people at the DOL sending the programs over. We have had so much support from state government at every level. And I, I, you know, you hear things about other states. So, you know, I have um, many friends, uh, aerospace manufacturing and in other, uh, other businesses in other states, and they don't have the same level of support uh, that we do here in Connecticut. Appointing the um, manufacturing czar was, I think, uh, critical. But I also think that Connecticut manufacturing and the support that Connecticut state government gives to manufacturing is unequaled um, as far as I know. I, I, I don't see it in any other state. I have friends in, in many other states. I have a very, very good friend with a business in Georgia and very similar to mine, and they don't have any kind of anywhere close to the support that we have. Um, but I think that people are in state government. They have been courteous. They have been helpful. They have been supportive. Um, what he did with the DECD loans and giving us that hiatus has helped. The um, making sure that we were um, well funded and we had a grant and loan programs that were paralleled to what they were at the federal level was tremendously helpful. So, um, you know, I, I believe that we have a robust 
environment um, and tremendous support and, and, and very solid support. That's quite the endorsement, and that's really great to hear. Um, we we love to hear and work with the state uh, the state agencies about how they're helping our members. So I'm really really glad to hear that you've had such a wonderful experience with them. On the flip side, you seem like a very positive person, but if I could be just a little negative, what about Connecticut can improve in terms of? doing business here and what can the state or just what can happen within the business community or the economy um, that can help us rebuild from this pandemic? So that's a hard question. I think, you know, again, we are losing jobs. We are losing skilled labor. We are losing, um, we are losing to other states. We're losing to Florida. We're losing to Texas. We're losing to Louisiana. Uh, ta- you know, tax abatements for small business, I think, would help tremendously. Now, I just sung the praises of, of, of the state, and I believe that they have helped Atlas tremendously. But the things that I think can help, um, not, not just simply tax abatements, but in looking at businesses who are about to make a change. So we have between three and five businesses in our area that look to um, lower the cost of operations. So it's much cheaper to operate a business in Alabama or Mississippi than it is to operate a business here in Connecticut. So um, any type of uh, move or um, uh, any type of grant or loan or program that would allow a company to be able to move and to be able to... um, uh, realize the same benefit that they would in other states, which is lower taxes, um, helping with moving costs, um, assisting them in um, in that type of environment, I think is, is would be very, very helpful. I also think that providing the level of training, the MIF grant and other things, you know, there are um, ways in which we can maintain and train our workforces. We have been working very hard on that. I know that um, we are leaps and bounds uh, aware of where uh, above where we were last year with much of workforce training. I know that that was the big topic, but training our workforce, maintaining our workforce, and maintaining jobs here uh, by enticing businesses to be here is is what we really need. For the latest Connecticut business news, events, and resources, visit cbia.com. Follow us on Twitter at cbia news and on LinkedIn and Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there.